Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. So David, you put out a tweet yeah, that I, generated a little bit of controversy. I'm yeah, amazed. I should clear these past you before I tweet <laughs> things. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you're, you're a press secretary, maybe um, your chief of staff. But uh, hey, for those of you who, who didn't see this, because you're not always on Twitter all the time, I love, I love what you said, David. I, I liked this on Twitter, and I like it now. You said... Sometimes I feel like the entire accounting and bookkeeping industry is getting flooded by, quote, social media influencers, unquote, that have no real legs to stand on and are out there, quote, acting as an expert, unquote, pumping the latest product slash app that writes them a check. You got quite a few retweets and likes there. Kind of exploded. I mean, between retweets and likes and emails and (laughs) private messages, it kind of, everybody had different opinions on this in many different directions. And then people are speculating, like I was talking about somebody specific or I was talking about this and it really wasn't about anybody specific. It's just somewhere things have tipped because I'm, I don't, I don't turn off ads and retracking, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. kind of in the advertising demographic. So on Facebook and LinkedIn and on Twitter, I'll get these feeds. And every week, I feel like it's somebody new has popped up that I've never seen, never heard of before in our space. And they're, they're coming, they're presenting themselves as, as some sort of high level expert mm-hmm. in our space, right? They're, uh, I'm an expert on how to market your accounting firm. I'm an expert on what apps you should use and, and these types of things. Well, one of these I saw, I, somebody was talking about a fabulous product. And I'm not going to name any names. And this is just the latest example this week, right? Mm-hmm. Some some fabulous product. And, you know, I like to keep track of the apps. I, I inquired, what's this magic product, this fabulous thing? And I got the name of this product. I went out. I looked at the website for this product. The context of the post is this product is providing, like, knowledge on um, how to secure your printers on Wi-Fi, like printer security. I go to their website. Website's not HTTPS. Mm-hmm. It has a login on it, which means anybody that logs in could just Usernames and passwords are being sent across the internet in plain text. And their homepage had flash on it, which is a security <laughs> risk in itself. So I just was like, I just lost my mind. I'm like, you're talking about these fabulous company that does security stuff and they have a horribly secure website. And I just kind of lost yeah. my mind. And that's what's the genesis of this tweet. But I really feel like it's something that's bubbling inside me for months. If I, I feel like in the last 18 to 36 months, things have tipped. And then people have seen mm-hmm. this in every industry, this like social media, Instagram influencer thing, right? And Matt, Matt Paff, he pointed out in response to your tweet, he said that this is far from unique to our industry. In fact, ours is probably one of the least affected. Hashtag influencer marketing is leading to a strong desire for authenticity across the world. Authenticity wins. And, and so what's scary then, if, if, if we're just getting a little bit of this, it's only going to get worse. It is. Uh, yeah. And in and, and the, the way I look at it is, and I'm going to use Michelle Long as an example. She's been in this space for a long time. But Michelle Long became an accounting celebrity, if you want to call that, or a QuickBooks celebrity. Not because like she's like decided to become a celebrity or a star, right? Or an influencer. She put in the work. And what I mean by that, like for six years, she just answered thousands of Actually, I think close to 20 or 30,000 questions on the old QuickBooks community forums. Mm -hmm. She just answered them. Just answered them. Just answered them. It wasn't where she set out to be a star. Like the work she did made her a star. But I feel like in this day and age, if you want to be a star, you can just get some fake followers which leads to you getting speaking engagements, which leads to you getting more YouTube views, which you get fake YouTube views as well, which leads you to get book deals. Like this, yeah. this, it just goes on and on and on. And then there's like a formula to do this. And the formulas are out there and it's very, very obvious. And 
it's just disturbs me a little bit. And I just feel like it's worse than it's ever been. Yeah. Like, and every week there's somebody new that's using the same kind of formula of just pumping up what they have and, but they haven't done anything. The thing that bothers me the most is what you originally pointed out, which is that, that we have influencers and it, it doesn't even matter to me if you have credentials or not. I mean, when I started having a social media presence or writing articles, I was not a CPA and I got a lot of crap from people who said, well, you're not a, you don't have a CPA. Like, why should we listen to you? And over time I built up credibility. I had my own small firm, sold it, was successful, got into a large firm, right? So now, now I have experience and I can talk more authoritatively about what I'm doing. So, I mean, I think you should have some basis for that, right? But that's not, that's not what bothers me because you can have a good idea and be new and we shouldn't discount that just because you haven't been around for a long time. Totally agree. What really, what really bothers me is when people are, are hawking bad products and you can tell they don't know anything about the product, they don't use it, and they're probably just getting paid to, to rep this thing. And like you said, it's a terrible product. If they don't use it, that's the thing that really bothers me, right? Like I was out there being a Zero ambassador, promoting Zero because I used it for years and I loved it. That's very different if, if, than if, if, if Zero was just cutting me a check, right? I've, I viewed them as supporting what I like to do, which is I like to spend time writing and blogging. Well, you know, you can't do that unless, unless you're independently wealthy. You can't just do that for free, right? Somebody's got to pay the bills. But there's some integrity that goes along with, with that. Right, you've got to, you've got to believe in what you're what you're doing. And if you're not, and, and people were joking on your thread about, oh, I'd love to take a check. I'm happy to take a check and hawk the product. But like, would you really? No. I mean, if you have integrity, you should believe in what you're selling. Yeah, and I just think maybe this is like buyer beware. Um, yeah. And I and I think I brought this up once. I wrote about made a post before a blog post about paid for play articles. Like you see, like in our meet, it was an account text blog and there was an article that was very clearly paid for play. So basically an app could go get a PR company that says, hey, we'll get you media. And then they go out and they write a blog post somewhere. And then the blog post like was from somewhere, it was stolen content actually. And they wound up taking it down, but Countex did it once I kind of raised the issue on this. Yeah. But the, like everybody should step back and when they see somebody or they see an article or they see a tweet or they see some LinkedIn video or an Instagram, step back and kind of ask that question. Like, who wrote, who is this? Why are they pumping this? Kind of work backwards a little bit and just to, yeah. don't just take everything for whatever the, the face value is, right? Yep. Yeah. Be, Including be, myself. Like, check my ego. Absolutely. And accountants, we are good at using our professional skepticism when it comes to accounting and finance. And we should do the same thing when we are listening to somebody promote a product. Let's be professionally skeptical about it. And, and maybe we can be the profession that doesn't fall victim to this influencer marketing crap that, unfortunately, there's a lot of venture capital money going into software companies, and sometimes it's easier for them to buy uh, influence through influencers than to do real marketing or to have a real product. Yeah, I mean, uh, but no. with that said, 
Casper mattress and beds, untuck its shirts. Um, <laughs> any of you who'd like to sponsor the Cloud Accounting Podcast, I'll be more than happy to talk about what a great night of sleep I got on your Casper mattress. I, I think my entire wardrobe of dress shirts is untuck it shirts. So oh, really? David, okay. go out there and get them to sponsor us <laughs> because I love them. I mean, if you see me at a conference, I'm usually wearing an untuck it shirt, untucked with a sport coat on top because I find that to be the most comfortable conference attire. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's move on to the news, the real news. <laughs> real news. Uh, so speaking of tweets, right? Joe Woodard. So Joe Woodard, on, this was earlier this week. He tweeted, we are very excited about Zero's involvement in scaling new heights online. Unlike the on-premise scaling new heights where the show floor is only focused on intentionally on Intuit and its ecosystem of developer partners, scaling new heights online has a wider reach, Zero accounting suite, uh, Gravity Online. They're all on the show. So Historically, Joe, for those who maybe who don't know uh, about uh, Woodard or Joe Woodard, historically, Joe's always been an Intuit conference guy. And now he has his conference online, and now it looks like it's platform agnostic. And I thought so, that I didn't see it coming. So I've never been to Scaling New Heights, but I, I did understand it to be basically an unofficial QuickBooks conference, right? Was that it what it is? is? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's exclusively, it was always QuickBooks. Yep. Okay. No other, no other accounting platforms were there. Got it. So this is interesting. I'm curious to know how this is going to impact Scaling New Heights' relationship with Intuit, right? I, Intuit probably won't be all that happy with it, but maybe he can thread the needle and uh, have an online event that is more open and an on-premises event that is exclusively QuickBooks. It's interesting to see the uh, transitions. Everybody's there's a lot of transitions still happening in our space. That, that's the 2018, 2019. Well, and, and personally, as somebody who uh, was both a QuickBooks Pro advisor and then a Zero advisor and uses both products at this point, um, personally, I think it's a great move. I, I, I think more openness is better. And again, as accountants, we need to be aware of all the options available to our customers and to our firms that we work for. So we shouldn't allow software companies to muscle other ones out of the shows. I've always had this beef with Intuit in terms of like, yeah, you're a billion dollar company, but that doesn't mean you have to be mean to the other developers. I don't think that in the long run builds goodwill. In a, in a way, like nobody. What, what do you think, David, is somebody who no, worked into it for 20 years? I, I could see that you could say like that. You could say the word bully, but I think that's a little bit harsh, right? Well, I, I think uh, it was like that was already running before these other players existed, right? And I'll, so I'll it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I know it happens. I'll tell you, uh, personally, like I, I, at, here at Flowcast, I work at Flowcast now, uh, we have a large public competitor that is many, many times bigger than us. And we have actually, I actually had a, a partner at an accounting firm bail on one of my webinars, one of my events, uh, because our competitor uh, called and threatened their relationship. And we have also been pushed out of conferences because of behavior like that. So I know it, and it definitely well, happens. That does have, I've heard with all the apps and everything else, I've heard stuff yeah. like this. Yeah. Yes. That totally happens. Yeah. Not, not just funny, but that happens a lot. Yeah. Unfortunate. Well, uh, you also sent over this link to a payments.com article about right networks acquiring Propelware. What's that about? So Propelware historically has been in the uh, QuickBooks ecosystem. As a company, they have a product called Autofy. Joe Dwyer, who runs that company, has, he's been building QuickBooks integrations for especially QuickBooks Desktop for maybe 15 years now. Um, and he does a lot of custom integrations for other apps. 
And mm-hmm. so he just has a lot of expertise in integrating with QuickBooks, QuickBooks Online, and ecosystem type integrations. He may even have an integration with Zero now, I think. He might his, his Audify platform. I'm not positive, but I think he connects to Salesforce too. So he's kind of a he has a technology stack, uh, Propelware does that connects to lots of apps. Right. So, so he's an API connector expert, if you want to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. I just find it very interesting that a desktop hosting company, Right Networks, is acquiring an API integrator product. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense to me. So I can't remember if it was last year, year before, I went to a an event that Abacus Next had down in San Diego, and they are a competitor of Right Networks. They are a hosting solution. Let's say you're an accounting firm and you don't want to have your server in your office anymore, but you still want to have your desktop apps because you're reliant on a lot of those. You can have Right Networks or Abacus Next host all of that for you and your staff log in via basically a virtual terminal through the internet to get to their desktops. A lot more secure because you've got Abacus Next or Right Networks managing all the security remotely. Abacus has made a business model out of buying desktop legacy desktop applications like CRM tools and desktop other desktop apps like legal software and then using their developers to connect those in new ways. So it feels like a suite or a, a working Right. Team. So they're they're yeah, so they're Got piecing it. together a suite of separate applications and their hosting is the glue. This to me, I'm thinking, oh, maybe right networks, I'm just speculating is doing this because they they are pursuing the same model. It's it's interesting because as a guy who's cloud first and and SaaS, a believer in SaaS, I think oh, this is like such a backwards way to get to that. But it works. And it can work if they do it right and you are and you really, you know, need the features in those apps, they can actually integrate those much better than a lot of the third-party API integrations that we have now in the cloud accounting ecosystem because they end up owning all the apps and they can integrate them perfectly and they are maintaining those and you're just dealing with one developer doing all of that instead of three or four separate ones. So things tend to break less, which is really an interesting play. Okay, so I, I, no, I'm in 100% agreement. That's pro- You're probably dead on, correct on that. That's going to be where they're headed because they're Acquisition just before this, a few months back, they acquired Transaction Pro Importer, which is, I don't know if anybody's familiar with that product. And that product's oh, yeah, yeah. about getting Excel or table data shoved into QuickBooks or the accounting system. So now you have kind of a, uh, a product that takes table data from IF files, uh, CSV files. So lots of desktop apps export to that format. So you have this tool that can shove those into accounting systems. And now you have this acquisition of Propelware to get data from lots of different places and shove it into the accounting system. So I, you're, you might be right. Like this is the, now their next thing is going to be actual products they'll start buying. Yeah. So, so it may shift in that it might be less of a debate between desktop and cloud. Well, that's over, right? Cloud is one, but it will become a fight between cloud, public cloud, API ecosystem, and private hosted cloud ecosystem, and what is a better fit for your firm? Being at Autoventure now, I actually tried to help a customer. You, uh, they were on somebody's desktop hosting platform and trying to connect, like, like do something on that platform. Right, because they the customer really doesn't have control over it. Right. But the only way those platforms, those desktop hosting platforms, will probably exist in the future is they're going to have to be everything out of the box. Everything you need needs to be on that platform. Really, with those platforms, if you need to add an app, 
like, oh, we're going to use Slack now. Good luck getting that installed and working. So, <laughs> yeah. so the, they're going to have to really, you're right. Everything under uh, one roof, all in house, yeah. you get everything in one stack and it just all works together. Yeah. I mean, that and, might, it may not be the best of breed, but you're getting something that all works together. Yeah. And for accounting firm partners who don't have like a small firm that doesn't have it expertise and doesn't want to deal with piecing all these things together, taking something that works 90% of what you want or 80% even, and is fully managed and guaranteed to work is a good deal, especially if you get to keep using that one desktop app like QuickBooks desktop or some legal software that you've been using for 15, 20 years, and you really don't want to switch off of that, you might take that, take that offer. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about desktop, desktop hosting on the Cloud Accounting <laughs> Podcast. I, I, I got one other quick small one. Well, it's not yeah. small. Um, it's huge. Uh, this is in TechCrunch. Fintech startup Plaid raises $250 million at a $2.65 billion valuation. Yeah, that blew um, my mind when you shared that number with me. And I remember hearing about Plaid, but I don't even know what they do. So what makes them so valuable? So Plaid is essentially a bank feeds API. So most of these apps that you use, so QuickBooks has their own bank feeds. Right. I think Zero builds their own bank feeds, but almost all those third-party uh, apps. Actually, you, actually, in the US, Zero uses Yodly for most of their bank feeds. Oh, they use Yodly. Okay, which yeah. is competitor to the Plaid. Okay. They are building their own, but very slowly. And so where this is really a big player is you've probably seen in apps, they especially a lot of the loan apps that want to like uh, connect to your bank account and read the data themselves. So I think, I only have like seven apps connected in my QuickBook and I QuickBooks and I think three of them are using Plaid somewhere in their app. So so they have huge adoption across our ecosystem of cloud accounting. Yeah, yeah. you're probably you, you've you've probably if you're listening to the show, I guarantee you, you you've you've used Plaid and don't even know it. So in the article they mention uh, Venmo, Robinhood, Coinbase, Acorns, and Lending Club are all using Plaid. Yeah, and I can uh it can look, uh, even our ecosystem, Brex, uh, Spritz Card, Divi, they all use Plaid. Yeah, interesting. hundreds and hundreds of apps in the cloud accounting ecosystem are using Plaid. I mean, it's crazy to me that, that what is simply really an API tool to connect banks to apps is worth $2.65 billion. Uh, you know, maybe it is. It is. It is very difficult for a developer to build their own connections. So if if Plaid manages to get all the banks on board and build all the connections, and it's really easy for you as a developer to go and then connect to Plaid, it's kind of a no brainer. Maybe that valuation is justified, or it could just be my, hyped. Ex- my experience coming from a team coming from these built platforms, somebody who's experienced because Intuit actually used to have a bank feeds API. I think we talked about this before on the. The platform. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of maintenance. It's a lot of work, right? right? And this is why I'm very skeptical of all these banks that say they're going to have their own APIs. Like building a platform, building APIs, supporting developers is just a lot of work. It's right. it's a ton and ton and ton and ton of work to do it correctly. If Plaid can figure out how to service developers perfectly, but at the same time keep the banks happy, that's going to be amazing if they if they can manage to do that. Well, you mentioned Intuit, and I have a story about Intuit here. This is in Enterprise Times. The title is Intuit Relaunches ProAdvisor Program, and it caught my attention because I feel like I see an article about the ProAdvisor Program getting relaunched about every six months. Am I wrong, David? I I don't know why, but maybe this is just, it's constantly getting relaunched every year. Could be. New product managers. Uh, yeah. I feel like this time, though, the the redesigns um, noticeably different because they have like a point system 
You know, you yeah. can almost like air miles if you want to think of it that way. And they also have a store now. People can order QuickBooks branded merchandise for their firm or for their clients. So a lot of the zero folks uh, complain that Intuit likes to steal all their ideas. And this looks very familiar to me based on the the zero point system where you have tiers of bronze, silver, gold, et cetera. But in the new Pro Advisor program, you have silver, gold, platinum, and elite. So they just took out bronze. W- one thing that's interesting about this article in Enterprise Times is uh, by Steve Brooks. He likes to, I-, I like I like his writing because he doesn't just regurgitate press releases. He does a little analysis. And so his take on this is that the Australian accountants are getting penalized compared to U.S. accountants. So in the U.S., you can get 25 points for every QuickBooks self-employed subscription that you have through your ProAdvisor account. You don't get that in Australia. In the US, you also get 200 points for advanced certification for every employee. You only get that in the US, not elsewhere in the world. Another thing is uh, you get 50 points for every QuickBooks Online subscription for a client in the US and Canada, but Australian firms only get half as much, 25. So I want to know, why is Intuit penalizing Australian accountants? I have no idea. Let's hear from the Australians. Uh, so one, some, some speculation in the article is that it's the cost of the subscriptions because Intuit is discounting significantly to gain market share in Australia. Kind of makes sense if the firms are paying less for the subscriptions, they'd get fewer points. And, and it could just be other rollouts, right? Like obviously, if QuickBooks self-employed is not rolled out there, you can't get points for that. Um, if there's some level of advanced certification that's not rolled out globally yet, and in a lot of other regions, there's partnerships with other products, right? Like in Australia, for example, it's their partner with KeyPay, mm-hmm. and so maybe it should be offset, right? Hey, if you put somebody on KeyPay, you get 25 points. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Who knows? Anyway, if you're an Australian accountant, you have some uh, opinions on this, let us know. Yeah, it's good that somebody took a different take on this. It's interesting. (laughs) More news in the cloud accounting ecosystem. Expensify announced that they now have a plan for individuals at only $5 per month. It's one of their most commonly requested features. So what this means is that when you sign up for Expensify as an individual, you can now pay $5 a month and get all the same features that a team would get. I think this is really big for self-employed people. I have actually often recommended that people use Expensify to track their own expenses just for their side businesses, because the app is probably one of the best when it comes to scanning receipts and converting those into expense reports. And if you think about it, what is a side business but a year-long expense report? When you go to your accountant, they fill out a Schedule C. It's really just tallying up, here's my revenue, and here's all my expenses broken down by category. Well, you can keep track of the revenue pretty easily if you just deposit everything into a separate business bank account, right? all your uh, customer fees and whatnot. So then, really, you just need to track your expenses by category. And an expense app can actually do that a lot easier than a full-fledged accounting software like QuickBooks or Xero. The first time I got, when this email came through, I... I was like, they've been doing that forever because their whole play was, was like, hey, if you're an employee, just go get Expensify and use it. But that was really, you didn't get the extra tools, right? So now I understand where they're coming from on that. And now that you've kind of laid it out the way you have, it really makes me think of um, QuickBooks self-employed, yeah. right? Zero, zero released kind of a self-employed product. Now, really in those self-employed products are expenses and mileage Yeah, is the vast majority of the, the functionality. And so, yeah, it sounds like they're, you know, that's kind of the play here is to get into that space more. 
And the crazy thing is that the $5 per month gets you unlimited smart scanning. So you could have, you could have used Expensify for free before, but you would have had to manually enter all the details about your receipts. Now you can get unlimited smart scanning where you take a picture of the receipt and it automatically populates the amount, the vendor, it tries to do the category using AI, that sort of thing. So this is a really good deal. No one offers this kind of automation for just tracking your expenses. And you get, uh, you said you get all the other features. So if you, because I know, I think they have a good inter- deep integration with Uber. Those just show up automatically and expensify. Yeah. Like you get all that now. You get GPS mileage tracking. They're going to add, they say they're going to add tax export to your favorite system. So that should be big for accountants. So I would expect to see them going out to accountants, tax accountants saying, tell everyone who has a Schedule C business to use Expensify, or even just for their personal stuff, like their charitable deductions, anything that you need to track for your taxes personally, you could do that with Expensify really easily. Really low lift. Yeah. Let's see, how are we doing on time? Maybe maybe one more story? Let's do something future forward. Let's look into the future, David. And this is where we need our sound effect, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) We need more professional sound effects, I guess. Go ahead now. Join me, David. We are peering deep into the future. Put on your future goggles, right? Get How ready. How deep are we going? Uh, 20, 2022. 2022, okay. Yeah, so not gotcha. that far, actually. So this is an article by Ryan Lazanis on his personal blog, ryanlazanis.com. And he took a look at the latest World Economic Forum report for 2018, their Future of Jobs report, and he dissected it for accountants. So let's, let's see what uh, Ryan had to say. So he's, he's basically, uh, he took that report and then he's s- summarizing what the trend is and why it's important for your firm. Yeah, for specifically for accountants, right? Because this is the future of all jobs report. So uh, one of the stats he calls out is that in 2018, an average of 71% of total task hours across the 12 industries covered in the report are performed by humans compared to 29% by machines. By 2022, which is only three years away, this average is expected to have shifted to 58% task hours performed by humans and 42% by machines. So machines are going to pick up another 13% of work that humans are doing right now in the next three years. So that's a big one. Yeah, and then to specifically read his takeaway here, because I think you may have you jumped in the stats, but his trend takeaway, number one, is automation needs to be central to your accounting firm strategy. That's his number one takeaway. Probably should have gotten to that first. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And he also says uh, in a second takeaway that emphasis is going to need to be placed on professional development and technology and soft skills. Uh, And he points to today's bookkeepers who, if they're using technology, do zero manual data entry, right? Yep. They're basically a hybrid between a bookkeeper and a technology manager where they let the technology handle the work and verify what's being done by the technology is accurate. I completely agree. That's when I had my cloud bookkeeping firm, that's what we did. Right. I started out as an hourly bookkeeper, keying in transactions into my QuickBooks desktop account. By the end of it, I was using bank feeds and automatically coding 90% of the transactions. Yeah, you, you start to become a, uh, a data plumber. Yep. If you want to think that way. That's yep. a, I, I don't like the term plumber. Uh, <laughs> I just think of butt cracks. But I, I do like uh, like information systems manager. Or what was the other one that, that Sholto McPherson came up with? Maybe it was data plumber. We have to come up with a better term for this, David. I'm putting you on the assignment. 
All right, all right. We will, uh, <laughs> uh, cloud automation expert. L- let's get through the other uh, takeaways okay. uh, quickly. So trend takeaway three, the shift towards the gig economy means that a lot of workplace flexibility needs to be provided. And it was interesting to me. Um, I've been talking about remote work being a big thing and flexible work being a big thing with accounting firms. Apparently, it cropped up in the jobs report from the World Economic Forum. Uh, the quote is, as employers are deconstructing traditional job roles and rebundling work tasks in response to the new technologies, how can they minimize the risks and best leverage new partnerships with resources such as online freelancers and talent platforms? So that's a question we all need to be asking ourselves, right? How do we, how do we work with freelancers, contractors, online talent platforms? Because, as we've talked about many, many times before on this podcast, there's a talent crunch. It's just going to get worse. And if you want to be able to handle all the work coming to your firm, uh, you've got to be able to leverage non-traditional sources of work or labor, right? Yep. Uh, Trend takeaway four, accounting firms will need to start hiring for roles that have not been typical. And uh, specifically... Uh, he mentions data scientists, process automation specialists, software developers. A lot of accounting firms are hiring software developers themselves to build integrations for their clients. Right? So that's, that's going to be a big thing. And that, that's just going to create even more shortage, right? Yep. Software developers and engineers are already short. And now accounting firms want to hire them as well. Yeah. So uh, actually, there, that was the four trends in, uh, in Ryan's blog post. I recommend you check it out for all the details. It is in the show notes. Yeah, it's a good article. I mean, he summarized a 147-page report into one nice, concise blog post. So, Thank you, uh, Ryan, for doing the hard doing work that. for us. Very much appreciated. So no, if, if folks want to attack you, David, for your Twitter post, where should they do that? Well, well, well all, all the good stuff's on Twitter. You can find me at David Leary and follow me there. And what about you, Blake? If somebody wants to uh, follow your political aspirations that have been bubbled up I have zero political aspirations I just like to comment my Twitter handle is at Blake T. Oliver connect with me there or on LinkedIn where I am slightly more professional (laughs) wow just a little bit just a little bit I think that's a wrap Uh, I will we'll talk next week um Next week's not think, uh, holiday week, right? Not yet. No, it's, so, kind of, uh, it's just going to slow down. I think it's going to get even slower next week. So, Check in with um, us for our holiday-themed episode next week. Yeah, send us some controversial tweets so we have something to talk about next week when uh, when, when the, the news really dies down here. Yeah, let's, let's keep stoking this fire. All right. Have a good one, Blake. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.